are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. And after today's reading, if you would like to discuss it with others who are following along, visit Facebook and find the group Mystical City of God in a Year podcast, and you'll be able to interact with other readers and listeners. Let us now thank the Lord for the life of Venerable Maria. All good and holy God, we thank you for the life of your servant Maria of Agreda. May we follow her holy example and shun the allurements of the world and abandon ourselves to your perfect will. Like her, may we enter into the quiet of heartfelt prayer and find your presence deep in the silence of our souls. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Immaculate Conception, may we pursue with deepest longing a profound purity of heart, mind, and body. By the prayerful help of Venerable Maria Vagreda, may we become holy and radiate the light and life of Christ to all we meet. Today is day number 94, and we'll be reading from Book 3 of Volume 2, beginning with Chapter 1, Paragraphs 1 through 8. Book 1, or Book 3, one of two parts, contains the most exquisite preparations of the Almighty for the incarnation of the Word and Mary Most Holy. The circumstances accompanying this mystery, the exalted state in which the Blessed Mother was placed, her visit to St. Elizabeth, and the sanctification of the Baptist, her return to Nazareth, and a memorable battle of the Virgin with Lucifer. Chapter 1 The Most High begins to prepare in Most Holy Mary the mystery of the Incarnation, the events of the nine days preceding the mystery, especially the happenings of the first day. 1. In order that our most faultless life might be to all an example of the highest holiness, the Most High had placed upon our Queen and Mistress the duties of a spouse, of St. Joseph, which was a position requiring more intercourse with her neighbors. The Heavenly Mistress, finding herself in this new estate, was filled with such exalted thoughts and sentiments in the fulfillment of her duties, and ordered all the activities of her life with such wisdom that she was an object of admirable emulation to the angelic spirits and an unparalleled example for men. Few knew her, and still fewer had spoken with her. But these happy ones were so filled with the celestial influence of Mary that with a wonderful joy and with unwanted flights of spirit they sought to express and manifest the light which illumined their hearts and which they knew came from her. The most prudent queen was not unaware of these operations of the Most High, but neither was it yet time, nor would it be her profound humility, as yet consent to their becoming known to the world. She continually besought the Lord to hide them from men, to make all the favors of his right hand redound solely to his praise, and to permit her to be ignored and despised by all the mortals, in as far as his infinite goodness would not be offended thereby. 2. These prayers were accepted by her divine spouse with great benignity, and his providence arranged all things in such a manner that the very light which incited men to proclaim her greatness at the same time caused them to be mute. Moved by divine power, they refrained from expressing their thoughts inwardly, praising the Lord for the light which they felt within themselves. Filled with marvel, they suspended their judgment, and leaving behind the creatures, they sought their Creator." Many turned from sin at the mere sight of her. Others amended their lives. All were affected by seeing her and experienced heavenly influences in their souls. 
but immediately they forgot the source of these influences. For if they could have remained in her presence, or could have retained the memory of her image, and if God had not prevented it by a mystery, nothing would have been able to divert their attention from her, and all would have sought her without wavering. 3. In such fruitful occupations and in augmenting the gifts and graces from which all this good proceeded, our queen, the spouse of Joseph, busied herself during the six months and seventeen days which intervened between her espousal and the incarnation of the word. I cannot pretend to refer even briefly to her great heroic acts of all the virtues, interior and exterior to all her deeds of charity, humility, religion, and all her works of mercy, the alms and benefactions, for this exceeds the power of the pen. The best I can do is to sum up and say that the Most High found in Most Holy Mary the fulfillment of all his pleasure and of his wishes, as far as is possible, in the correspondence of a creature with its creator. By her sanctity and merits, God felt himself, as it were, obliged, and, according to our way of speaking, compelled to hasten his steps and extend the arms of his omnipotence, to bring about the greatest of wonders conceivable in the world before or after, namely the incarnation of the only begotten the Father in the virginal womb of this lady. 4. In order to proceed with the dignity befitting himself, God prepared Most Holy Mary in a singular manner during the nine days immediately preceding this mystery, and allowed the river of his divinity to rush impetuously forth, Psalm 45, 5, to inundate the city of God with its floods. He communicates such great graces and gifts and favors that I am struck dumb by the perception of what has been made known to me concerning this miracle in my lowliness, which is filled with dread at even the mention of what I understood. For the tongue, the pen, and all the faculties of a creature fall far below any possibility of revealing such incomprehensible sacraments. Therefore, I wish it to be understood that all I say here is only an insignificant shadow of the smallest part of these wonders and ineffable prodigies, which are not at all to be encompassed by your limited words, but only by the power divine which I do not possess. 5. On the first day of this most blessed novena, the heavenly princess Mary, after a slight rest, according to the example of her father David, and according to the diurnal order and arrangement laid out for her by the Lord, left her couch at midnight, Psalm 118.62, and prostrate in the presence of the Mosai, commenced her accustomed prayer and holy exercises. The angels who attended upon her spoke to her and said, Spouse of our King and Lord, arise, for his majesty calls thee. She raised herself with fervent affection and answered, The Lord commands the dust to raise itself from the dust. And turning toward the countenance of the Lord who called her, she added, Most high and powerful master, what wishest thou to do with me? At these words, her most holy soul was raised in spirit to a new and higher habitation, closer to the same Lord and more remote from all earthly and passing things. 6. She felt at once that she was being prepared by those illuminations and purifications, which at other times she had experienced in some of the most exalted visions of the divinity. I do not dwell on them, since I have described them in the first part. The divinity manifests itself not by an intuitive, but by an abstractive vision. However, so clearly, that by it she understood more of this incomprehensible object than what the blessed see and enjoy by intuition. For this vision was more exalted and more profound than the others of that kind, since this heavenly lady made herself more capable day by day, and because she made such perfect use of graces, 
she disposed herself for ever greater ones. Moreover, the repeated enlightenments and visions of the divinity continually enabled her to respond more and more befittingly to its infinite operations. 7. In this vision, our Princess Mary learned most high secrets of the divinity and of its perfections, and especially of God's communications ad extra in the work of creation. She saw that it originated in the goodness and liberality of God, that creatures were not necessary for the supplementing of his divine existence, nor for his infinite glory, since without them he was glorious through the interminable eternities before the creation of the world. Many sacraments and secrets were manifested to our queen, which neither can nor should be made known to all, for she alone was the only one. Canticles 6, 8, and 7, 6. The chosen one selected by the highest king and lord of creation for these delights. But as her highness in this vision perceived the impulse and inclination of the divinity to communicate itself ad extra with a force greater than that which makes the elements tend toward their center, and as she was drawn within the sphere of the divine love, she besought the eternal father with heart of flame, that he send his only begotten into the world and give salvation to men, since at that manner he should satisfy and speaking humanly, execute the promptings of his divinity and its perfections. 8. These petitions of his spouse were very sweet to the Lord. They were the scarlet lace with which she bound and secured his love. And in order to put his desires into execution, he sought first to prepare the tabernacle or temple whither he was to descend from the bosom of the Eternal Father. He resolved to furnish his beloved and chosen mother with a clear knowledge of all his works ought extra just as his omnipotence had made them. On the first day, therefore, and in the same vision, he manifested to her all that he had made on the first day of the creation of the world, as it is recorded in Genesis. And she perceived all with greater clearness and comprehension than if she had been an eyewitness. For she knew them first, as they are in God, and then, as they are in themselves. This concludes our reading today for day number 94. We've been reading from... Book 3, Chapter 1, Paragraphs 1 through 8. Today we begin this nine-day novena in which we hear how God prepared Mary for the visit of the angel and the announcement of the Incarnation. But before we got to this moment in which Mary went in prayer and then the angels came and spoke with her and revealed these things to her, we heard that Mary touched the hearts of so many people that wherever they saw her, whenever they talked with her, that they were marked in a new way, that they were different because of this encounter and this experience. One of the things we can marvel about is that Maria Vagreda told us that this was like six months and so many days after she left the temple. And we can then maybe begin to think about, well, what was that life like for Mary in the ordinariness of every day? We heard that she prayed at certain hours, so she continued that spirit of prayer that was fostered in the temple. But then Mary went about her life. She went to the marketplace. She interacted with other people sometimes. And so those interactions marked that person and that person probably had no idea what was going on interiorly in their life. But God was at work in this creature, Mary, because of what God had already done for her in virtue of the Immaculate Conception. 
There are so many people who are inspired by the Blessed Mother. They're inspired by her example, by her witness of a holy life. They hear her messages at some of these Marian apparitions, and they touch their heart. So the presence of Mary, her words that she speaks, truly do continue to change people, just as Maria of Agreda said. We will continue reading from chapter 1 tomorrow, so I'll address this nine-day novena tomorrow as we finish chapter 1. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading from the mystical city of God. I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.